The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. We have another special guest on this episode. So I want to first say um, welcome to September and thank you for joining us. Hello, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. So before we get started, um, September, if you can give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, your personal or professional highlights, anything that you want us to know before we delve into the interview questions for this episode. Sure. Um, So I work with Hawaii Surrogacy as their health coach. Um, So I work with surrogates on their nutrition. Um, And uh, I started my career as a chef to four-star admirals. And then I became a mother of seven. I had some recurrent miscarriages in between some of those kids. And uh, now today I actually have seven children. So um, my process on myself and it worked. Yes. Awesome. So you've kind of went into this a little bit, but can you tell us about your infertility journey, your fertility journey? Um, You you just hinted towards uh, recurrent miscarriages and now becoming a mother of seven children. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah. So I, I had three kids. I had my first at 25 and then at 27 and then at 29. Um, and that third pregnancy was very different from the first two. The first two were pretty easy, you know, not that big of a deal as far as pregnancies are concerned. Um, but then the third one, I had a lot more pain, a lot more issues, a lot more back pain. Just, I was just a lot more uncomfortable. And there were just some things that my, my body just kind of felt off, didn't feel quite right. Um, And then I gave birth to him and um, he got stuck in the birth canal when he was being, um, he was supposed to be a water birth, but I had to get out of the water because he got stuck. Um, And then, you know, once he was born, we kind of had to convince him that breathing is a good idea. Um, And so, you know, it was just a very different experience from the first two. And so I knew my body was, something was just off. Something was not quite right. Um, At that point, when he was still a baby, um, the, my husband at the time um, decided that he was going to do a year-long tour in Afghanistan. He was a civilian contractor, so it was a choice. Um, and so he left for a year to go do that. When he came back, um, you know, so Nate would have been almost two by this time, not quite two by the time his dad got back from Afghanistan. Um, he... Uh, Oh, my mind just blanked out for a second there. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. (laughs) Um, When he came back, um, we weren't trying to have another baby. I think that we were kind of good with three kids, um, but I unintentionally got pregnant. And, you know, when you have your family and things are going like that, if you accidentally get pregnant, it takes you, what, like a half a second to get excited that you're pregnant again and, you know, at the prospect of having another child and things. And so, um, so when I got that positive pregnancy test, I, I got excited very, very quickly. Like it wasn't intended, but I was excited. Um, and then, uh, we lost that baby. 
And um, so that actually ended up happening three more times. There were four miscarriages that just happened back to back to back. And I went in and I talked to my midwife and, you know, told her what was going on. And we kind of talked a little bit, but she wasn't very helpful. She, um, you know, just not much, just sort of a, oh, I'm sorry. And then I went in again after another one had happened. And she said after, I think after the fourth one, I went in again and talked to her again. And she said, well, if you get pregnant again, just come in right away and we'll give you a shot of progesterone to see if that helps the pregnancy stick. And I thought, you know, that's fine. And that's great that they can do that. But I want to know what's going on. Like I've had three babies. Why am I all of a sudden not able to stay pregnant? So I wanted to get to the root of the root cause of what was going on. Um, By this time, I had already gone through my nutrition training and uh, was working with people on things like you know, basic health stuff like weight loss and blood pressure and blood sugar and just kind of things like that, just basic stuff with nutrition. And, um, and people were having great results. And so I kind of thought, well, if I'm doing this for other people, maybe there's something I can do for myself. Right. And I kind of um, came to the conclusion that part, at least a part of what was going on with me was that I had a vitamin A deficiency. And this was just based on different symptoms that I was exhibiting. And so, um, so I really started focusing on that and how can I bring up my vitamin A stores? And, um, and so really kind of went in that direction. Well, it worked and I got pregnant again and Gracie is now seven and a half, almost eight years old. Um, And then went on to have three more children after that. So, you know, it obviously worked very, very well. And with those other, uh, one of those is a set of twins. So wow, two more pregnancies after Grace. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to end up having twins because I'm like that, that, you know. (laughs) At some point, right? You know, the odds are in your favor once you get up there. (laughs) That's true. That's true. so yeah, so I ended up having seven kids and, uh, you know, those, those last two pregnancies, no miscarriages, no issues, nothing at all. The pregnancies were great. And so Nate was really the only pregnancy that was a struggle at all other than, you know, the twins, cause I'm only five, two and weigh like 110 pounds. And so carrying twins for me was like, that was rough, but yeah. only because of those two babies and a very small body. Yes. So. I can, I can relate. I'm also five too. (laughs) So I I ask this question often just to um, get the perspective of uh, the guests that come onto this podcast. And it's in relation to the fact that infertility is such a taboo subject. Um, Why do you feel that is? Why do you feel that it's such a taboo subject? I I feel that we've come a a long way, um, you know, through time, but it's still a relatively a a taboo subject. I think it's taboo because there's so much shame wrapped up in it. Yeah. And the shame comes from, you know, not no piece of the infertility is the fault of the man or the woman. Um, It's it's not about fault at all. But I think that the shame comes from, you know, especially I can't speak for what a man goes through emotionally because I'm not a man. I'm a woman. You know, (laughs) I, I understand my side of it. But I know for women, when you can't get pregnant or stay pregnant, something happens in your brain and it just makes you feel like you're less of a woman. I mean, you know, and especially 
women that I've talked to over the years in my practice, you know, they, they kind of feel like, am I even a woman? I can't carry a child. Like, does that like disqualify me from being a woman somehow? And of course it doesn't, but those are, it's deep, deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's why it's so taboo. Yeah, it's a mental thing. Uh, and it's so funny that you said, you know, the fact that feeling less than a woman, um, I saw a post over the week um, and it was a, a, about a woman who had children. She had, I believe, two or three children, but had to um, have her uterus and some of like her reproductive organs removed. Um, and she was just going through that kind of, dissonance of am I still a woman because I'm missing all these parts and so in that same way a woman who's trying to conceive does feel like I'm missing a part do I you know am I a woman so I, I definitely um, love your perspective on that so uh, you, you talked a little bit about this earlier um, about surrogacy and uh, you know part of your coaching is um, in relation to women who are surrogates. If you can uh, kind of give us a, a synopsis of what surrogacy is, because I believe this is the first time we've delved, in, delved into this topic on this podcast. So first, um, you know, what is sur surrogacy and what has been your involvement in that process with women in that journey? So surrogacy, you know, the basic definition of surrogacy is um, you're carrying a child for somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and there's two different types of surrogacy. There's traditional. In traditional surrogacy, it's the, the surrogate's egg. So she's artificially inseminated. And then um, and she carries the child for another couple. And then once that child is born, you know, gives that child to the, to the couple that she's carrying it for. Um, and then there's gestational surrogacy and gestational surrogacy is what is mainstream now. That's what's normal. Um, and basically what that means is that it's not her egg. It's, um, it's an embryo that's, that's fertilized an egg that's fertilized outside of the womb. And then the embryo is implanted into, um, a genetic or a carrier who is not genetically related to that child. It. So it, it takes away, you know, one of the biggest questions about surrogacy is, isn't the surrogate going to get attached to the baby? Mm -hmm. And when you know that it's not genetically your child, there's a different component there um, because you, you know, going into it genetically, this is not my child. Um, and so it changes the psychology a little bit. Um, you know, most parents obviously want their own genetic child. That's just what most parents are after if they're using a surrogate. So that's kind of the purpose of gestational surrogacy and, and changing that. Um, you, do you want me to talk about the whole process? Like, Yes. Yeah, so, you know, what, what do you do? What do you assist with in that whole process for uh, a woman who chooses to be a surrogate? So um, I was a case manager for Hawaii Surrogacy. Um, I left Hawaii though, and uh, since I left, obviously I can't be a case manager because you have to physically be there to be with the, the people while they're going through this process. Um, so once I left Hawaii, I became the health coach. So if you go to hawaiisurrogacy.com slash nutrition, you can find my program. And basically what it is, is a lot of intended parents and intended parents is the, the phrase used to refer to the, the biological parents or 
and it, they're not always even biological parents, but the, the parents who are going to be raising the child. Okay. Um, so that's what intended parents are. Um, so a lot of intended parents more and more want the surrogate to be um, a healthy, very healthy woman, and they want her to be eating a very healthy diet. And so that's a big part of it. When you're going through the screening process for surrogacy, your BMI has to be within a certain range. And so, um, you know, the plan is designed so that if there's a woman who qualifies for surrogacy in every other way and really wants to be a surrogate, but maybe she needs to lose a few pounds to drop her BMI just a little bit, um, then she can do this plan and it'll help her drop it. And the reason for that, the BMI um, restriction, is because once, you, once your BMI gets above about 30, your body actually starts to produce too much estrogen because those fat cells, that's one of the things that they do is they produce estrogen. And um, if, you, if you're above 30, your body starts to produce enough estrogen that it actually puts you into birth control mode. Because um, that's what birth control pills are, right? Is estrogen. Right. Um, so it actually puts you into birth control mode. So it, it lowers um, the probability of the IVF cycle being successful. And obviously as a surrogacy agency, they want to put women through the IVF cycle who have the highest likelihood of success. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's really the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, for the BMI restrictions. So, yeah. So do you um, like send them a meal plan or their monthly calls and that sort of thing? Or, you know, what does the, the, you know, coaching program entail um, for a woman who is on this journey? Yeah, so it's basically, it's a six-week plan, and it's laid out, 100% laid out for you. So every day, you know, your meals um, are, your, it's all laid out for you. You've got your shopping lists ready to go to take to the grocery store with you for the week. Um, you've got a success manual, which just kind of goes up over everything and talks about why we do certain things the way that we do during the course. Um, and then you've got uh, your recipes, of course. Um it's all about clean eating. It's based on eating very, very clean, which means, you know, grass-fed meats, um, fats that are things like extra virgin olive oil, unrefined coconut oil, ghee, grass-fed butter, those kinds of healthy fats. Um, absolutely stay off of trans fats. Trans fats have been shown to interfere with fertility, and the research coming out about them is only building on that. Um, so it's it's really about cooking for yourself, cooking at home, and um, staying away from you know any 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 chemicals, any food dyes, any of that kind of stuff that actually really truly does interfere with fertility and your ability to get pregnant. So it's a six week long plan. Um, it's I've got you know goal worksheets in there, measurement worksheets, so that you can kind of keep track. Not so much because it's not so much about weight loss itself, but some people want to keep track. Some people like the numbers, um, and uh, and the six weeks of meal plan, shopping lists, and all of that. Um, and then you do get three one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me as well. So we just kind of talk about your specific, you know, what's going on with you specifically where you need a little bit of inspiration or motivation or you know any of those kinds of things um, questions that come up about the plans the the meals or the plans themselves all of that kind of stuff awesome. so I like to be there to support people yes great and the thing is with that that's a great foundation to keep 
you know, moving forward. And also, although it's like a six-week meal plan, a lot of that can be replicated throughout the pregnancy, which is very good. Absolutely, yeah. So um, what really motivated you to um, get into this career and to help women in surrogacy in, you know, because you're even impacting the lives of the intended parents. Um, so what really drove you to go into this and, and, and um, focus in this area specifically? Um, the miscarriages that I experienced were devastating. Um, you know, it was hard to go through that. I mean, that was just probably one of the lowest points in my life when I was and then being able to use this to pull myself out of that was really powerful, very empowering. Um, and then also, you know, I've just watched so many of my girlfriends and family members and various people around me go through infertility. And it's just, it's way too common. It's mm -hmm. way too common. And, um, and I think that, you know, the taboo, like we were talking about earlier, getting people to speak and share your story. I think that that's really important too. And anytime that there's, um, anytime that you have support, I think you're more likely to share your story and then you become a support for somebody else too. So, um, so really it's about, it's, it's too painful to watch people go through this. And so I, I'd, I'd like to do my part in eliminating at least some of that pain. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you've, you've talked about, um, you know, how you help women through Hawaii surrogacy. Um, what are some other areas of focus um, for women, as you can see in, in, in the space of surrogacy or even in an infertility um, journey um, that maybe Hawaii surrogacy uh, assists with or that you've seen um, the need for and you've kind of stepped in um, outside of nutrition? Um. I think doing stuff like this and educating the public about surrogacy, surrogacy is kind of another taboo subject. Yes. Kind of, you know, don't hush, hush, don't talk about it. Another one is egg donors. When um, a woman finds out that maybe her egg quality just isn't going to, isn't going to make it so that she can actually have a genetic child. Um, she'll uh, a lot of times use an egg donor and, um, and that's very hush, hush. Like a lot of, Parents don't talk about that, which is fine. That's completely your choice. But I, st I do think that the more we share our stories, the more comfortable we help other people become with sharing their stories too. Yeah. So definitely, yeah. definitely. And I, I totally appreciate you um, stepping in and, and coming and covering this topic because, as you said, um, surrogacy is definitely a um, taboo subject. Uh, I remember watching a woman on YouTube uh, kind of documenting her journey of um, being a surrogate. Uh, and it was so interesting to watch, to watch her process, to watch her journey. Um, she also had a um, older son who was about six, seven. Um, and having to explain to him, hey, this is what's going to happen. You see me pregnant, but this is not your brother, you know, and, and just going through that, that, um, that process um, and documenting it. It was so um, interesting to watch. And um, I think that, you know, one thing I like to say about this podcast, it's like, it's a no judgment zone. You have to do what's best for you. You have to do what's best for your family. And a lot of 
people feel a certain way when it comes to science. Um, but I do believe that God gives us the knowledge, the wisdom, and um, science is part of that. And if it's surrogacy, if it's IVF, if it's IUI, whatever that person chooses, it's part of their story, it's part of their journey. And it's just been amazing to watch um, how science has really developed um, through the years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. And you know, the scientific side of um, of reproduction at this point in our evolution and our history and our society, it's a godsend. Yes. I mean, how many couples out there wouldn't have children if it wasn't for the science side of it? So I exactly, you know, I agree. Totally. I totally, think it totally. Goes back to, there's so much mom shaming out there, and we've got to stop the mom shaming. Yes. Just stop. Yeah, you know? the mom shaming does need to stop. Uh, it's yeah. going on now because mothers are, are having to decide, am I going to send my kids to school? Is it going to be virtual? You know, what am I going to do? And if you are scrolling through Facebook, it's like Facebook is divided. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to do what's best for you. You have to do what's best for your family. Yeah craziness all right <laughs> um so okay um do you offer any other services whether it's through hawaii um, surrogacy or outside of hawaii sur surrogacy is there anything else that you offer any services any one-on-one -on -one coaching um what else you know do you offer um besides this instance that we've been discussing so I have another program that's called Four Months to Fertile, and that's the one that I developed uh, several years ago, right after I um, decided to start working with infertility. So Four Months to Fertile is really based around the concept of Chinese medicine. And in Chinese medicine, they believe that the, there's four fertility organs, but they are the heart, the liver, the kidneys, and the spleen. Okay. Um, so not the ones that you would, you know, you would think that you would focus on your uterus and your, your eggs and fallopian tubes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> those things. But, um, but actually if you get those vital organs really nice and healthy and functioning really, really well, then the other things sort of, um, work themselves out and you don't have mm -hmm. to focus on them so much. Um, and so I do still offer that four months to fertile program. It's a much more intensive, much more, um, time consuming program for me. Um, and so it's, it's something that, you know, if you're in a more serious infertility route, like going the IVF route and things like that, um, then that might be the right program for you. Um, another thing that I do is uh, I talk about another very taboo subject, which is domestic violence. I'm mm -hmm. a domestic violence survivor. And so I speak out. So if you find me on, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn and all of those different social media platforms, then I've got a blog about domestic violence and really, really speak out about that, trying to be a force for let's stop this now. So that's the other aspect of who I am and what I do. Amazing, amazing. So I love how you've taken uh, several taboo subjects <laughs> and have found your voice. Um, and I think that's really important because um, one thing when I started this podcast, you know, I was very afraid. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Who's going to listen? And what's, you know, what are people going to think? And that sort of thing. And um, I realized, you know, I needed to be a voice for the voiceless. And even yeah. if you think about women who suffer um, with domestic violence, they remain silent. It's another area of shame. Yes, it is. It's another area of shame. And um, 
uh, and you have so many conflicting opinions of what a woman should do. Yeah. And so if you make it in parallel, the same thing happens even in, in, in infertility. Um, it's a lot of shaming and it's a lot of opinions on what a woman should do. Um, so again, what you said earlier, not only stop mom shaming, just stop women shaming <laughs> in general. Yeah, stop shaming, period. Mind your own business. Yeah. <laughs> yes, stop shaming, period. Okay. So any um, last words, any um, closing words, words of advice, words of encouragement for women who are on this journey? You know, the one last thing I would like to say is we we live in this culture where we believe that, um, you know, when you get married and you decide it's time to have a baby, you basically stop taking your birth control and then, oh, I'm supposed to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that if you look back through history, every civilization has always had a fertility diet. They all have special sacred fertility foods, every indigenous tribe forever. Mm -hmm. um, and this is because they understood the importance of, of more nutrient-rich foods going into the body of, of both a man and a woman who are trying to conceive a child because it's going to affect the child. Right. Um, and so, so a fertility diet, going on a fertility diet, a lot of us in this culture think, oh, it's punishment. Oh, I've eaten too many donuts and I've had been eating McDonald's for 10 years and blah, blah, blah. So now I have to go on this fertility diet. And I would love to shift the mindset around that and say, it's a gift. Use this time and, and prepare your body to give your future child the best possible chance at a healthy, happy, vibrant, amazing life. And that's really what you're doing by increasing your nutritional stores. So I would love to shift the mindset around fertility diets um, and, and see it as, as a gift and as a good thing and as a sacred time. Yes. Love it. It's beautifully stated. Um, take the time for you. And, and like you said, prepare yourself so that not only you're preparing yourself for a future child, but also preparing your body um, for what your body is going to undertake in the next nine months. And I think that's also important. Um, and what I've seen uh, with women who I know who have been close to me who have done that work, you know, prior to getting pregnant, also their postpartum um, process is a little bit more smoother uh, based on the foundation that they laid even before getting pregnant. So Absolutely. that is amazing advice. Thank you so much. So September, thank you so much for joining uh, us for, for this infertility podcast episode. How can we stay connected with you? Website, social media, that sort of thing. How can we stay connected with you? So you can always find Hawaii Surrogacy all over social media, hawaiisurrogacy.com. Um, me personally, I'm everywhere as September Burton. That's one of the benefits of having a unique name is yeah. I'm pretty easy to find. Not, not many other people have stolen my name. Um, <laughs> so September Burton across social media. And then my website is also septemberburton.com. You can find my blog. Um, the blog deals a lot more with domestic violence than it does infertility, but I do talk about both everywhere. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on this episode. Once again, you all follow September. She is a wealth of knowledge. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Infertility Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.